0: Biology isn't a matter of opinion. A quote from Jonathan Baylor. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution podcast with Dr. Kieran. So grateful that you chose to come join us for this episode. We are talking about a sane solution to health, a sane solution to diabetes, metabolic disorders. So many of us at Midlife suffer with weight gain, fatigue, and we scratch our heads and say, what's wrong with me, right? The old tricks of cutting our calories Calories and exercising to lose weight, they just stop working at some point. If you're like most of us at midlife, 60% of us have a weight problem. We're overweight or obese. And my guest today is gonna shed some much needed light on the situation. I'll tell you a little bit about him and then we'll get started. Jonathan Baylor is the founder, CEO, and executive chef of the Inc. 500 fastest growing metabolic healing and diabetes treatment company, Sane Solution. He is the creator of the field of wellness engineering and authored the New York Times bestseller, The Calorie Myth and The Set Point Diet. He starred in and produced the award-winning movie, Better. He's registered over 26 patents and has been a frequent speaker at Fortune 100 companies and TED conferences for over a decade. Jonathan's gift is the ability to help you easily understand your health and untangle your diabetes, weight, and metabolic problems so that you can lose weight, heal, and feel amazing. But he has an ulterior motive in doing this, but you'll have to listen to hear what it is. So welcome, Jonathan.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Karen, I appreciate it.
0: So excited to have you on. I absolutely love your movie. You did such an incredible job. Let's start with that. And then I wanna get into kind of how you got into creating the field of wellness engineering. But let's talk about the movie first because it's incredible. So what inspired you to make this movie?
1: I've been on the, the journey that led to the movie, as you saw in the movie, since I was a, a small child. But you know what took us off the deep end to invest all the time and money that it took to actually make a movie is a relatively uh, simple answer. Uh, there's two things. One, we were able to find a production company in Hollywood who was willing to partner with us on this, because frankly, we could never have afforded to just do it and, <laughs> and pay for it. Right. Uh, and the second thing is, is we finally got to the point where I've talked with a lot of people over the past 10 years of being on this journey, and I found that this is just an example, but for instance, when speaking to someone who is, let's say, vegan or vegetarian and talking with them and asking them, you know, what caused you to take on this lifestyle, right? It's This is no judgment about the good or bad or whatever of vegan or vegetarianism. It's just, it's difficult to be a vegan in the, the modern world. So like, you know, what caused you to do this? And it was almost always they saw something. There was they saw something which fundamentally changed their perception of food, how they should interact with food. And I said, wow, like what if we could create something visual? What if we could create a narrative that caused people to have the same emotional response, but towards eating just better? like not eating specific foods or going on a specific mm-hmm. diet or sort of like picking, you know, this is this is the right way, but rather just having an emotional narrative trigger to have that moment of clarity that you can never go back from, you can never unsee. Because I think a lot of us have been, like I'm an engineer by trade. I'm, a, I'm married to an accountant. Our house is probably the most left brain logical house (laughs) you could possibly be in. And what I've learned in my wellness journey is that applying logic to what is fundamentally a emotionally ridden problem is not a good solution, right? At all. So if, and what we've discovered is nutrition information is essential, it's critical, it's extremely important, but unless we understand and treat the underlying emotional distress and shame, it really doesn't matter if we talk about whether or not blueberries are good or bad for you. Like that's not what we should be talking about. It's an
0: irrelevant sense. question. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I'm just realizing that probably everybody listening feels like they were dropped in the deep end because I'm I'm like, what made you create the movie? And they're thinking, what is the movie about? You didn't even talk about that, Dr. Kieran. So let's back up a minute. I was just so excited about it because it's so good. And we're going to give you the link to sign up to watch it at the end. But what is it about? Can you tell everyone?
1: The movie is called Better. Mm-hmm. And we had the incredible opportunity to work with four of the top doctors at the Harvard Medical School, we filmed this on location at the Harvard Medical School, as well as at a couple different other locations. And there's three parallel storylines happening. One is like my storyline, which is the least interesting of all the storylines, <laughs> but like it was sort of my role in all of this. Then there's a storyline where we, we go to Harvard and we talk with these medical doctors at Harvard Medical School about what they've discovered recently, that is so different from what generally we've been taught around nutrition and diabetes and obesity. And then we follow the journey of about 20 real life people who are at the start, middle, and let's say completion, even though you never really complete a journey towards wellness, in terms of combating diabetes, which is the when you have, well, we can, that's a whole other thing, but it's diabetes and obesity put together. We'll talk about it in more detail in a second, but the movie is called Better and it's an exploration of the number one cause of death and suffering in our culture and the proven path to reverse it and prevent it. And the crazy thing about all of this is that that condition is something called diabetes which nine out of 10 people who I say that word to say, that's a really clever word that you made up. And it's not a word that I made up. Mm -hmm. It's an established medical condition. If you go to PubMed and you search for diabetes, it's a thing and it's killing a radical number of people more than any other disease. And people think I made it up. So you can understand the the passion (laughs) we have for getting this message out.
0: Yeah, so, so it's a wonderful resource. And you know I'm looking at you and you are a very fit man so how did you get on this path because for a lot of us who got on this path for me personally my pain became my purpose I was obese I had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and hair loss and my health was a mess and that's what really got me on this path of wellness and learning the truth about health and was that your story or if not how did you get on the path
1: I feel very blessed because I have had a very unique journey towards where I am today because let's being, you know, fully transparent. We do have some time on this show. It's not a five minute, you know, radio interview, which is nice. You know, I coined the term skinny privilege and I was, I I love
0: that. Okay. I want to hear what it is.
1: (laughs) So, so I, like, again, this was me younger. So please don't hate me now. <laughs> but when, I was, <laughs> when I was younger, I was the, like in high school and in, in college, I was an athlete, right? Or in high school, I was an athlete and I wanted to be a collegiate athlete and I needed to get bigger to become a collegiate athlete. And I couldn't, like I was doing crazy unhealthy things in an effort to gain weight and I couldn't. Like 6,000 calories a day, taking supplements, which are now illegal. And my body physically could not get larger. At the same time, I was a personal trainer. That's how I saved up money to pay for college. And I was telling people at that time, generally women, generally women over the age of 40. And I was, you know, a skinny privileged guy who can't gain weight, who's 18 years old. I was telling them to eat 1,200 calories a day and to exercise more and to just work harder and to just work harder. And I was just, I was the asshole who was just like, just try harder. What's your problem? What's your problem? Just try harder. And there was a moment in my life where I was- You were that coach. I was that guy, right? <laughs> so, so there was a moment in my life where I was working with one of my clients, sitting across the desk from her. And I was just like, I threw my hands up in the air and I was just like, but you still haven't lost any weight. What's going on? And she said, like, she looked down and then she looked at me and she said, Jonathan, I- don't know what's wrong with me and like for whatever reason like my armor came down at that moment because when she said what's wrong with me for whatever reason my mind saw this like giant collegiate athlete saying to me jonathan like why don't you just try harder why can't you get bigger And then I thought to myself, well, what's wrong with me? Wait, wait, this, hold on. And like the whole, it was like crumb, everything just crumbled in an instant. I said, well, I don't think anything's wrong with me. I don't think I'm stupid and lazy. I'm busting my ass trying to get bigger and I can't. I'm actually getting sick. Like the amount of time that I spent on the toilet was not good in those days. And this incredible human being, she's eating a fifth. She's literally, and I saw I saw the food journals and I, she's not lying to my face. She's eating a fifth of the calories I'm eating. She's exercising more than I'm exercising. She can't get smaller. I can't get bigger. We both think there's something wrong with us. So then I had this aha, which was maybe nothing's wrong with us. Maybe there's something wrong with this calorie math, shame-based, just like beat your body harder. Because that's what I was beating up my body. (laughs) She was beating up her body. And it all just sort of, you know, crumbled. And you know, then I went on this big research journey and we can talk about that more. But I I was and still am that person who could eat whatever they want and not gain weight. And we all know those people. I don't actually, I haven't tried doing that recently. I mean, I'm almost 40 now, so who knows? It might be different now. But what was so fascinating about that experience is, like, we all know people who have this privilege, who don't work especially hard, who don't eat kale and seltzer water all day, and they're just thin. And we might have even been that person 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So then the question, like no one's ever asked what makes naturally thin people or people with skinny privilege, what is that? Like what's causing that? And can we make people who are, help people who are less privileged to have a body that works more like the body of a naturally thin person? That's what set me on this journey. I have two college professor parents. So that again, speaking of privilege, they really helped me to question where I was getting my information, to give me access to these top doctors at Harvard and so on and so forth. So my life's mission then became to answer this question and to find proven solutions from actual experts, not like what I was taught as a personal trainer. If that makes sense.
0: Yes, it makes such Great sense. And I love this descriptor of skinny privilege. I had a girlfriend like that in high school. And I used to wonder, like, she would eat like a football player. And she was skinny. Mm-hmm. And I used to think, wow, I just eat ice cream and I gain weight. So I've always had the tendency towards weight gain. And I've been up and down. And it wasn't till... I got into midlife and really couldn't lose it and was hundred pounds overweight. And I was like, what's wrong with me? There's so much shame around the weight issue because when you see someone who's overweight, we all have this automatic assumption that they ate too much. So they're gluttonous and they're lazy. So two of the seven deadly sins, right? They have them right there. And when you, that's you, you feel like you have that. But exactly what you said, like, nothing's wrong with either one of us. So what helped you figure out that it's not about calories? You wrote the the New York Times bestseller, The Calorie Myth. And so what really clicked for you there? And what was that book about?
1: So my professional background is Mm -hmm. I'm an engineer by trade. I Mm -hmm. was, as soon as I left university, I actually, while I was at university, I did two internships at Microsoft. Then I was, I was an engineer at Microsoft for 10 years. And the reason I mentioned that is because all during this time I'm hyper introverted and I like think doing research is fun. So, so all during this time, I was all by myself in Seattle because I'm not from Seattle and I was doing research with no agenda. I didn't have any preconceived notions, right? Like I wasn't, I was not trained in this. I'm trained in how to be an engineer and how to solve problems. So I was doing research like in ner- in the field of neurobiology, like how your brain works, gastroenterology, how your gut works, endocrinology, how your hormones work, behavioral psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, like just geeking out on trying to answer this question of like, why are bodies Behaving so differently when the same stimulus is applied to them. Like, what I mean, just not to go on a tangent, but like, wouldn't it be interesting if when some people stepped in the sun, their skin turned blue, whereas other people tanned? Like, there are very few areas of life where the same input caused such a different reaction in the human body. Mm -hmm. But the reason this is relevant, like why are you telling me I'm an engineer? Why are you telling me you did all this diverse study? Because part of the reason no one's ever asked this question is there is no degree or field that studies this. There are degrees or fields that study components of what I found sort of add up to the puzzle of why the people's bodies behave so differently when they receive the same inputs. What we ended up finding is It's the relationship between your brain, your gut, and your hormones. And this goes back to a quote-unquote theory that is now not a theory. It is a fact around a body weight set point that determines both because of your genetics and your environment, how your body tends to react to food you put into it. And that the way you change that system, just like the way you change any system, is not by altering the amount of stuff you put in it, right? You don't alter your car by changing the amount of gas you put in it. You don't alter your sink by changing the amount of water you put into it, but you will alter your car if you put kerosene in the gas tank. And you will alter your sink if you put hair and paper towels in it. So the quality of what you put into a system rather than the quantity changes the system itself. So it's not that calories are a myth. It's that the myth is counting them is the critical component to long-term health and weight management. The truth is the quality of the calories you're eating are what take your system, which has a huge genetic component and Mm -hmm. determines whether or not it burns calories or stores calories.
0: Yes. I always say it's all about hormones and, you know, we women over 40, we're like, what happened? And it's it's hormones, right? It's planned obsolescence of the ovaries and we are programmed for them to go out of business and then we get the weight gain and the fatigue. But, you know, and I, I could get on my soapbox for a minute. I will briefly, but mainstream medicine doesn't really educate the doctors in the proper art and science of hormone balance and so that's why we're out here teaching people this this information you know i started the episode by saying one of your quotes that you shared with me biology isn't a matter of opinion which i love and i want you to share with everyone what that means
1: i'm going to go back to please forgive me for being a sort of spock like borderline <laughs> autistic hyperlogical you know male because One of the things that struck me when I remember, I'm not a nutrition native. I'm not like the paleo guy who's always been the paleo guy. So no matter what, we'll have some sort of like paleo agenda. I just came into this looking for, I was like, science, I am interested in science. So I was blown away by, after doing all this research and like kind of emerging and starting to go on people's podcasts and talk about this, how people would argue about things which aren't debatable. Like you can't argue about what happens to your blood sugar when you eat white bread versus spinach. That's not an argument. It's a measurable thing. You can't, right? right? <laughs> so so there's there's a lot of if you had a medical condition such as cancer, let's say. Hopefully you you know you understand that there is there are facts at play. And there are, you know, you have cancer, there are treatments and studies have been done that may or may not be effective for cancer treatment. When it comes to the disease of obesity, and it is a disease, we don't look at it from a scientific perspective. We're like, you know, what's the fit girl at the gym doing? I mean, I know that's what I did. Or, you know, what is this celebrity doing? That is not, like, we need to understand the severity of like a body that is holding on to dangerous levels of surplus adipose tissue. Mm -hmm. That's a disease state. Like you've done nothing wrong. You're not bad or lazy or stupid you have a disease and it's a potentially fatal disease. And like that's important to understand. Like that's very important to understand. People who struggle with weight chronically have a 90% chance of developing type two diabetes. People who smoke for 40 years have a 10% chance of developing lung cancer. Mm -hmm. That's from the American Cancer Association. So like to understand like that's overweight causes diabetes, Mm -hmm. right? And diabetes kills A lot of people, it's a problem. So if you had any other form of disease, you would understand the severity of that condition and what random non-cancer person at the gym thinks about cancer, their opinion is irrelevant. What a a random unqualified blogger's opinion is, is irrelevant. We can study this, we can prove things, we can measure things, And biology, like it doesn't matter what I think. People ask me all the time, Jonathan, what do you think about this? It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter what I think about it. What matters is what we can measure and prove scientifically.
0: You know, that is such a great point. I just can't emphasize enough to everybody listening. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen. I'm just wondering how long you're gonna go with those unbalanced hormones. I mean, you told me during the Stop the Menopause Madness Summit that you couldn't take it anymore. So where have you been? Since the summit, Deb M has already balanced her hormones, gotten to her goal weight and is looking forward to wearing her bathing suit on the beach this summer. And Carrie, who hadn't been able to lose even five pounds in the past 10 years, has now lost an amazing 15 pounds and is feeling and looking great. Not to mention, she's sleeping better and her mood has improved. Erin, Ashley, Deb C and so many more are already enjoying the benefits of having balanced hormones. And I'm wondering if you could use some help finding out your personal hormone levels and knowing exactly what to do to balance your hormones so that you can lose weight, regain energy, balance your mood, feel sexy and confident, look great and master midlife or whatever you want to do. Know that all health begins with balanced hormones. Everything you want in life begins here and nothing good ever comes from tolerating hormone imbalances. We're launching the Hormone Balance Mastermind again this July, so don't wait. Space is limited and it will be months before we run this program again. Go to www.midlifemetabolisminstitute.com to apply for the program or get on the early bird wait list so that as soon as registration opens, you can be the first to apply and secure your spot. If you've had enough and you wanna find out how good life can be once your hormones are balanced, I know I'll see you there. Talk to you soon. And we're back. I think that as you're talking, the reason why people's opinions and beliefs have come to the forefront is because doctors and the medical establishment have failed and they've strayed from the science of biology and how people's bodies function. And they've really gone into this kind of dogmatic position of. No, we follow protocols. We treat symptoms with drugs and surgery. So that's what we're going to do. And never mind about how the body functions. And, you know, essentially that's what I was told in my residency. You know, when I got there, they're like, never mind about all that you learned in medical school. This is the protocol. Follow the protocol, give the drug, do the surgery. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a good resident. So that's what I did. And then because they've deviated from science, then the blogger's opinion on what diet is best matters, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, I think you, I see you nodding your head. You agree with me. So how do we get back to the science of health and really that being overweight is a disease, there is a scientific reason, and really get people back on track? How do we do that?
1: Well, no pun intended, but kind of a pun intended. We need Mm -hmm. a better approach right so so the name of the film is better and yes there is a better approach and i don't know how much time we have but like you know one well i do know what time how much time we have actually but you know the first thing is to is to understand and have the realization like like what you said right your family doctor is a brilliant person and do you know what you call an md who has studied nutrition Has had zero (laughs) nutritional training of any kind. Doctor, exactly. So, (laughs) and that's not wrong. Like you wouldn't go to your family, your family doctor, if you got a cancer diagnosis and ask them for treatment. That's not what they do, right? So, like this is a disease and needs to be treated as a disease. So, I would strongly recommend, first of all, watching the film, (laughs) and then what you'll see is that. There, it is far simpler than has been made out, at least from a how to get started perspective, right? So, focusing on foods that are more satisfying rather than less satisfying. And there's a science of this. So, foods are different in terms of how much they fill us up and how long they keep us full. Foods are different in their hormonal impact. Foods are different in their nutritional density. Foods are different in terms of their how easily they're stored as fat. So giving yourself access, like first giving yourself permission, if possible, to forget the things that have failed you to date and to be open to new approaches, but here's the asterisk next to the new approach. And this is a, this is a bit of a shortcut. I'm not a fan of shortcuts, but this is a shortcut here. So when an observation I made of like the blogosphere, Is that any diet, so like keto, paleo, vegan, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like the goal, what is the goal of the diet? If the goal of the keto diet is to put you in ketosis, okay. If the goal of the paleo diet is to eat like our paleolithic ancestors, okay. If the goal of a vegan diet is to not eat animal foods, okay. Is your ultimate goal any of those three things? No, your ultimate goal is to be to thrive and to be optimal. What we have a tendency of doing, and this is especially true, and I don't mean to get too metaphysical, in America today is we get like caught up on these sort of semi-BS intermediary steps, like is it paleo, is it keto, is it this, is it that? That's not the right question to be asking. The right question to be asking is, is this proven in the scientific literature to help me live better or worse? And that's what we do in the film with these Harvard doctors is we provide you with a framework that helps you to ask the right questions, not does Jonathan Baylor like this or not? Is this keto or not? How many Weight Watchers points is this or not? The right question is, will eating this bring me closer or further away from my ultimate goal of thriving? And we need a framework in which to have that conversation. And what our film does is it provides that framework. Like we don't even have the language to have the conversation that we need to have about this. For example, what does healthy even mean? If you ask someone if a banana is healthy, you will get, if you ask 10 people if a banana is healthy, you're going to get 10 different answers. Because we don't even have a framework. Because... One, some of those people will be like, "Well, I'm a vegan and it's plant-based, so that means it's healthy." And some of those people will be keto, and they'll be like, "Well, it has too much sugar in it, so it's unhealthy." And you know so we need a unifying theory of what it actually means to what are the criteria that define foods which enable human thriving, and what is the criteria of foods that enable human suffering? Let's get agreement on that. And then let's figure out how to get people to eat so much of the good stuff that I have no room for the bad stuff.
0: Yes, I hear you. And I think that just as you're talking, part of the problem is that we're so externally directed and we are not in touch with what our bodies want and need because they're, like you say, you'll get 10 opinions on the banana. And the truth is that is a banana healthy? Well, it's healthy for some people some of the time, and it's not healthy for other people some of the time, right? I talk to my people all the time in my program about that we're really socialized away from our biologic urges starting at a young age, and we're taught that the doctor is the authority. And so we're really trained, you know, you should eat because it's dinner time, not because you're hungry. Mm -hmm. You should go to the bathroom between classes, because that's not an interruption to your teacher. And we stopped being internally directed. And so I'm, I rekindle the relationship with their bodies. I call it her because I work with women and I say, you got to talk to her. You got to listen to what she's needing and wanting and that she intuitively knows what she needs and wants, but you've been so cut off from that. You're looking to see what the blogger tells you is the best diet or what's the latest book or things like that. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So uh, two things. One is a wholehearted agreement. I'm just going to put an 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 asterisk on it, which I'm curious to get your feedback on. So the wholehearted agreement is, I people, if you have a peanut allergy and eating peanuts causes you to go into anaphylactic shock, like you know, no matter what anyone else says, you shouldn't be eating peanuts. Right, right. I think, like even when we look at, for example, the food guide pyramid. Like the food guide pyramid is the canonical example of how violently I agree with your point. As a culture, we were like, oh, 11 servings of starch per day? Well, sounds good, while every disease just astronomically... But we're like, nope, nope. Doesn't matter that the harder I try, the sicker I get. The outside is telling me what to do, so I'm going to ignore my personal results and continue to focus on the external. Right. We, and I, in my quote unquote program, we always talk about finding your sanity. So, you know, we can provide a framework, we can provide a template, but ultimately it's what works for you that matters. So agree wholeheartedly. Here's my asterisk. We have to be aware that we live in a culture that has, that provides us with, in sometimes foodstuffs that can hijack our internal motivations. Mm-hmm. For example, asking a heroin addict what their body is telling them they want
0: mm-hmm.
1: is problematic. Asking an alcoholic to listen to what their body is telling them they want can be problematic. So how like, how do you teach your clients who are in maybe, like I use the term sugar addiction kind of in quotations, but we're yeah. getting pretty close to that being in the DSM. When your body tells you things which are not natural and you've been hijacked by the food industry due to all this crap they put in our food. How do we differentiate those from the signals we should trust?
0: Yeah, that's a great question because essentially it is a sugar addiction and I know people get very offended sometimes when you suggest or ask, could it be? But I say, well, what is an addiction? It's a behavior you keep Undertaking, even though it has adverse personal consequences. <laughs> so, what, once you start, you can't stop and you can't stay stopped. And what is it with sugar with so many people? It's that. You know, I think it's very sobering to admit that most of us are probably sugar addicts. And that was certainly a part of my story. It was a big part. I teach them how to get off what I call the blood sugar roller coaster. And I think it's really hard. And exactly what you said is that, you know, what's marketed to us on by Madison Avenue is that these foods are are eaten by skinny privileged people having fun (laughs) at the pool. And, you know, like on the Coke commercial, they're all in bikinis and laughing and playing ball. But the truth is if you drink Coke for a good 10, 20, 30 years, you're not gonna be laughing at the beach on a bikini. And so it's, it's almost like a shell game. And, you know, and we could talk about this for a long time. And I know our time's limited, but the whole issue of from the movie King Corn, where they talk about the corn syrup, Mm -hmm. high fructose corn corn syrup, and the people who approve it in the FDA are like, Oh, no, it's not unhealthy, despite mounds of research. And uh, we'll have to have another episode and talk about that. But I think that people are really misled. So you're right. Can you trust your biology? No, you've got to get clean in a way and detox and get your hormones balanced. And then once you do, you get reacquainted. And I think a great start would be for them to watch the better movie because I love how this is not a boring documentary. This is not a bunch of talking heads talking at you and giving you research studies. It's really like, It's entertaining, I'll say that, while being educational as well.
1: Thank you. And I do, at some level, right, like trusting ourselves and having, I think the technical term is an internal locus of control where you're self-directed rather than other directed Mm -hmm. is critical. And at some point that is limited. Like the way we learn anything is by having teachers. And, you know, so the question then becomes, well, how, what, what do I learn? And who, because even by watching the film, right, I am essentially asking you to, Potentially, you know, take in some external data and use that to refine your internal frame of reference. But here's the tip that I would give you. So my father is a philosophy professor. So this is why I sometimes get out of these philosophical rants. What you will learn in the film is so self-evident that you can sort of know it's true. What I mean by that is so, like let's look at the keto diet. This is not a critique of the keto diet. We have a separate thing about the keto diet. But like if someone says, "Go on the keto diet, And you say, like, why? It is not self-evident that the keto diet is the way to eat. You have to have this big convoluted conversation and blah, blah, blah. For example, in the film, we make the point that eating foods that provide more of what is essential for human life, like vitamins and minerals, is better than eating foods that don't do that. That's pretty hard to argue with. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not, or like, eating foods that calorie for calorie fill you up more and keep you fuller longer is better for you than eating foods that don't do that. Okay. Right. So, 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 there are things which you can ask yourself, like, is that even art? Like if someone were to tell you, like, what are the keys to marriage? And it's like, look, honesty is important. Can you imagine a world where a marriage that is based on dishonesty works? No. Right. So can you imagine an approach to nutrition where eating foods that don't fill you up is better than eating foods that do fill you up? No, this is a way not to get like too philosophical, but there's this concept in philosophy called a priori knowledge, which is knowledge that you are just born with. And I think that's, this is the sort of another way of saying what you've already said a priori knowledge is so if you do hear something external test it and say like does that make sense like really does it just make sense and if the answer is no keep asking why because like you're gonna find that nine times out of ten if you ask why three times to the person they have no idea why because they're like so why should you be in ketosis well because I don't know. <laughs> right. So that's that's a test for you. You are gonna need to take in things externally. Even Dr. Kieran, like you you are someone external to your people. And how can they trust you? How can they know that what you are providing is trustworthy? And how can they leverage your knowledge to help guide their internal locus of control? I can imagine that you, I can ask you why 16 times for any point you would make, and you'd be able to take it to the freaking baseline molecular justification where I'd be like, okay, got it. So anyone who you're gonna listen to, any blog that you're gonna read, unless they can take it down to an undebatable sort of rock bottom level of truth, keep questioning it until you adopt it.
0: Yeah. I think that is such a great point, Jonathan. And I know we're going to have the link to the movie in the show notes. I have to ask you about this one quote. I know we've got a couple minutes left. I love it. And I now see, you know, I asked all my guests to submit a few quotes that they really love about health or life philosophy. And you submitted some great ones. So I have to ask you about this one. Life is the soul's greatest opportunity. Can you just speak to that? And then we'll go ahead and wrap up. I think that's beautiful.
1: I had an experience early in life where I I realized that I was operating from fear. Like I was basically playing, I was not living life to the fullest because I was afraid of failing. Mm. And I I learned and I basically said, I know my thought is we only get one shot at this. When you, if you study spiritual things, people generally regret what they did not do more than what they did do. So, and part of it, and you'll see this in the movie better, like part of the reason that I am so passionate about what I do is I feel that so many of us are sort of living life in second gear. Or what I think Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau said, we're living lives of quiet desperation. Like there is so much within each of us that we have so many gifts left to unwrap. And life is the soul's greatest. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, you are so blessed. Like, so blessed. I mean, so so. when I see people suffering needlessly, when I see one in three Americans diagnosed with diabetes or pre-diabetes, when that number used to be one in approximately every 4,000 a hundred years ago, I'm like, life is our soul's greatest opportunity. Like... We have the capability to do so much miraculous work in this world. I want your body and your health to facilitate that. I don't even want you to have to think about it. I want it to be like, here's an analogy. For an athlete to be the best athlete possible, they're not on the field thinking about their body. Their body is the vehicle for them to achieve their goals and to facilitate their goals. That's what I want for you. Life is the soul's greatest opportunity. Let's maximize that opportunity and not let anything hold us back.
0: I love that. We should all think like athletes. And I always say to my ladies that I I have an ulterior motive. Yeah, I want to help you lose weight, get the energy, and be optimally healthy. But I know you're sitting on gifts that we need. And you can't give them if you don't feel great. So it's my sneaky way of getting you to share your gifts with us. I love that quote. Life is the soul's greatest opportunity. Love your movie, Better Movie. We will. It's bettermovie.com, right? And anything else you want to say about it, we'll have the link in the show notes.
1: That's it. If everyone would just go to bettermovie.com, you can you know buy it from iTunes or Google, or you can rent it for a couple of bucks. And I say this every time I talk about it. If you watch the film and it does not have an immediately positive impact on your life within 24 hours, email service at sanesolution.com and we'll make it right. Like the film will positively change your life. Please watch it. You will live better as a result.
0: I absolutely endorse it and agree with exactly what you said. It's very life-changing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jonathan. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic. It's science.